0: Are you ready?
1: <laughs> no, definitely not ready. If I butcher the, the start of this, we'll capture it at the end, uh, the intro. Um, happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to the Been on Her podcast. We're doing an extra episode this week. Really excited to have our guest with us today. She is a clinical and sports psychologist, former D1 volleyball player at UC Irvine, has her master's and PhD in clinical psychology. You own your own practice, um, and it specializes in therapy for athletes. And you are a part-time staff psychologist at Stanford University. Also, wanted to hi- highlight <laughs> this: you're a high school state champion with Gina Urangle. Welcome. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Welcome on the on her podcast, Dr. Riley Cropper G. Happy to be here. Woo! Welcome! (laughs) Dr. Kreppa! Dr.
0: Just for some background, so people know, Riley and I were best friends, and we've been best friends since we were like in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really exciting to have you on here. And Kelly mentioned this before we started recording, but it's nice to have the tables turned a little bit, and we're going to ask you some questions. Put me on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) We are putting you on the spot. (laughs) We are excited. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so obviously we grew up together. We played volleyball together. You played at UCI. But most recently, you were married. Yes. And I was in the wedding. Kelly was at the wedding. Yes. And um, how Maid was... of you honor you here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, how was married life? It's great. Yeah. It feels no different in the best way possible. So, yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, just... W- it's almost a year already, which is crazy. Oh, that is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he... Um,
0: her, her husband, Andrew, he's, he's awesome, but um, I always wanted to know the question, so being a therapist and, you know, being in a serious relationship, um, do you ever find yourself, like, psychoanalyzing your
2: husband? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say psychoanalyzing, but I do find myself pulling from strategies, I would say, <laughs> and in conversations, I'm like, hmm, maybe we should try this or that, and definitely pulling from that side of who I am. That's good. Is he responsive towards that? Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I think it's also important to mention, too, because, you know, I was in your wedding and I, um, I did have to miss uh, an AVP event. Obviously, I would choose your wedding over that no matter what. But um, I think for athletes, you know, like we tend to make our sport so much um like, such a big thing in our life, when in reality, like, there's other things that are super important, important like, relationships with our friends, and being there for special moments, so um, I know I've talked to a couple players about it before, but, uh, you know, I made the mistake in another friendship, and it put a damper on it, and, you know, looking back, like, I'll never want to miss like that so I was happy to be part of it and I'm happy for you Thank and you. yeah I'm so glad you both were there wouldn't have missed it
3: right? we actually up.
2: tried to plan around the AVP schedule but it just didn't <laughs> work out that year yeah. <laughs> yeah. it always happens like that <laughs> yeah that's all right um so then
0: uh my question being a therapist do you see a therapist yourself
2: I, I absolutely do and I think every therapist should see a therapist and if you're looking for a therapist I like to ask them if they are seeing a therapist because it's just helps them process their own stuff and make sure that's not coming into the room and kind of getting in the way of things. So I definitely see a therapist weekly. And I think it's really important to have that space and talk about the work I do there. You know, it's tough work and just make sure I'm in the best shape possible mentally to do the work that I do. I kind of want to know the
3: start of how you, I guess, became interested in becoming a therapist. Was there a moment you that you knew that you wanted to get into this career path?
2: Yeah I think there is this kind of thing about oh therapists become therapists for a reason and it's because they have like their own stuff and their own trauma or they're messed up and like I think a lot of therapists have had an experience in their life that took them to therapy and then they want to do that for other people and that was definitely my experience when I was younger. I was like a pretty anxious kid. My parents had me see a therapist and I found that really helpful, learned some strategies. And then I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then I think growing up, I felt like I was just that person that people came to for advice or to talk. And I was like, Hmm, I guess I could do this for a living. (laughs) And then, you know, being an athlete my whole life, that is where the sports side of things came into the picture and wanting to work with athletes. Cause I think Um, it's really helpful to see someone who understands that experience and like that piece of the identity.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about the benefits of therapy for an athlete um, who is active career-wise in the sports industry or is a veteran or is retired? Yeah, I
2: think there are lots of different benefits, just like for people in general, you know, just having space to talk through everything that's going on in your life, get support, be validated. Like that is so simple, but so helpful. Um, and then learn different strategies. So say you're newer to your sport and you're trying to break through, like, how are you building that confidence and learning strategies to help with that? Maybe if you're a veteran, you're starting to get to the end of your career and you're not wondering like who you are without your sport and starting to explore that. So I think there's a lot of different ways it could be helpful, but just, Having someone that you trust that you can talk to is pretty powerful. And then, you know, adding in the strategies here and there that can be helpful to
1: How How does one go about searching for a therapist?
2: Great question, because it can be pretty difficult. Um, so one piece is like, are you trying to use insurance or not? And if you are trying to use insurance, the best, easiest way to go about it is just like call the number on the back of your insurance card. Ask them about your mental health benefits do you need to see someone who's in-network with your insurance versus out-of-network in your insurance? And um, if it's in-network, then you can ask them to send you names and numbers of people who are in-network and will be covered. You can also use, like, search tools online um, that can help you search by insurance type. If you don't need to use insurance or you can see someone out-of-network, then you can be a lot more flexible and just kind of search based on what might be of interest to you. If you are wanting someone who works with athletes or not or certain specialties like anxiety or depression. Most important is just that you feel like you can talk to the person, like that you trust them and you can be like yourself and be comfortable to share things about yourself. That's, I'd say, more important than any of the specialties.
3: What steps did you take in order to become a therapist? Like how was your, what were the first steps that you took?
2: Yeah, I mean in undergrad I did major in psychology um, for my bachelor's degree. That was helpful, although I don't think absolutely necessary. You can still go to grad school um, and be a therapist, even if you don't major in psychology, but that's what I did. And then applied to PhD programs, so I had to take the GRE and go through that whole application process. Um, got into a clinical psychology program in San Diego, moved down there, was there for four years. And then, you know, part of that is taking classes, getting clinical experience through the program. Um, for a few years, writing a dissertation and defending that, which you both were there for as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And um, then then you do a one-year internship where you're just accruing all these clinical hours, again, just getting experience practicing therapy. And then I did a postdoc as well (laughs) for a year at (laughs) Stanford, and again, accruing more hours, then you take two licensing exams, and once you pass that, then you get your license number. So there are a few different paths, but that's the path that, that I took.
3: So, in total, how many years did it take you to get certified?
2: It took five, six, seven, I'd say, yeah.
3: And you've earned the title of Dr. Crappa. <laughs> Dr. Doctor, Doctor right. <laughs> um, I guess one more thing that I wanted to add as far as, I guess, what's your why in regards to being a therapist, and what are maybe some goals? Now that you're an active therapist.
2: Yeah. I think the why just always goes back to trying to support people, whatever they're going through. Um, It's to me, it's just a pretty simple job. Like it is demanding in that I'm hearing about a lot of emotional stuff and difficult stuff, but all I have to do is like show up for the person and be supportive and give some strategies. And like that feels easy for me in some ways. Um, So That's, I think, the why, just supporting people. Goals. Hmm. I do, so I have a private practice, and I do that two days a week. And just, I think the goal is to continue to build that up until it can be my full-time gig eventually. And I do really want to focus on working with athletes specifically. I do that already, but I also see just other people in the community, general clinical psychology, and I think I really want to try to focus on the therapy for athletes side of things. What
0: is the um the difference? So there's obviously a handful of different types of therapy. So mm-hmm. what kind of what do you specialize in? What are other types that you can look for um and then what do they mean exactly?
2: Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist, which means I'm a therapist first. Like, yes, I work with athletes. Yes, I have training in sports psychology techniques, performance-based things, but I'm a therapist first. So if someone comes in and we're talking and I realize like they have an eating disorder, or there's something like that going on, I feel equipped to be able to handle that um, as a therapist. And then there are like sports performance or sports psychology consultants who went through like a different training process where they focused on performance and sports specifically. And so that's just a different certification, takes a little bit less time, but that would be focusing on like just performance and how do we help you achieve in your sport, um, whereas not as much on, like, the therapy, anxiety, depression side of things.
0: Okay, so I've, I've looked for therapists, therapists in the past before, and I've actually s- sought your advice, and you've helped me find some different people, which has been super helpful, but, um, like, kind of, what would you recommend somebody who's first looking for a therapist or a sports psych, whatever it may be, like, what should they um, look for? when searching?
2: I think it's different for everyone. Like what is important to you in finding that person? Doesn't matter what gender they are or that um, they do work with athletes and have that experience or that they are knowledgeable about eating disorders, for example. Like what is important to you and what are you seeking support for? And starting with that. Um, also now in the age of like COVID, are you looking to see someone in person or on Zoom? Um, and that makes a difference as
0: well. I I've noticed that, um, it's almost harder to find a therapist now that you could see in person. So, um, it is, yeah. But then also the convenience of being able to find somebody that you like and resonate with that maybe doesn't live close by then, you know, that's still, um, that's also helpful too, that you can talk to them online.
2: Yeah. And if you think about it as like Running a business as a therapist, you just have way less overhead if you're working from home and seeing people remotely than if you're renting an office space, you know. Yeah. So, I think a lot of people have started to do that um, after COVID.
0: Do you do yours out of your home?
2: Uh, I do half and half. Oh, so, nice. on Tuesdays I work from home, see people remotely, and then on Thursdays I do have an office in Palo Alto where I see folks in person. So, anybody in Palo Alto looking for a <laughs> therapist?
3: Anyone up on the, farm? Yeah, <laughs> the farm. farm? Lots of people on the farm. <laughs>
0: What about, um, like, how is it working at Stanford too? Cause you said, you know, you're working, you've been working there for a couple of years.
2: Yeah. It's been like six years now. I think this is my seventh year. So yeah, Stanford is a unique place. (laughs) It is intense. Um, we're very busy. We, it's good. Like that students are utilizing the services. We're very well utilized. Um, so much so that it's a little bit tough. We can only offer like short-term therapy and we basically help students connect to resources off campus from there because we don't have enough people to like see everyone who's seeking therapy. So it's nice that everyone is reaching out and wanting to get connected and use those resources. And also like we have to find the balance and and help them connect to longer term resources too.
1: This year is a big year for a lot of athletes. It's, um, Olympic qualifying gear mm-hmm. and there seems to be a common theme with all of our guests that come on is they don't know who they are outside of the sport of volleyball they also feel immense pressure to gain all these points and put a lot of stress on themselves so you know I I think that all of this what wo- there's like a fly there <laughs> yeah um <laughs> all of this is really interesting and valuable like is there anything that we can share with the audience and the listeners um, in terms of coping mechanisms, mechanisms for anxiety. So someone experiencing an anxiety attack. Yeah. You want to do some belly breathing <laughs> and try it out? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay.
2: So the biggest thing um, to help prevent a panic attack or even when you're just feeling anxious before the show, I was doing a little belly breathing myself. So, oh. you know, um, breathing is really key because it helps calm your body down, lets your body know, like, we're okay. If, if you're breathing calmly and slowly, your body knows, like, nothing is actually wrong. It just sends that signal to your body that everything's okay. So um, there's a strategy. I don't know how I'm going to do this with a mic, but <laughs> you will walk us through it. Okay. You can put one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest, ideally. And you want to try to breathe where you're moving the hand on your belly only and keeping the one on your chest still. So you really want to push your belly all the way out as you breathe in and hold for a few seconds and then exhale. And you really want to see that like rise and fall of your belly. So I can show you here.
1: I already feel so relaxed, right? It's nice. And honestly, because I'm the only one wearing the headset, I can hear you breathing, and I feel relaxed. Yeah, it
2: helps on a physiological level. But and you only need to take like a few short breaths like that. And the good thing about this strategy as well is that you can do it without anyone knowing you're doing it. Like yes, you can you can sit there and do that and help you. But you could also I could do it right now and you wouldn't even know. So um, it's good for like if you're taking a test or you are performing in a sport and you're just taking a few deep breaths like that right from your belly.
0: I have a tendency to breathe in my chest so to be able to have both hands there and just move the bottom one that was yeah that was really helpful. And then I, I guess you know like people athletes have performance anxiety stuff like that but then also um, I remember they were talking about this at the last Olympics it might have been about a gymnast or someone but um, the yips yeah and kind of like maybe explain what the yips are and then how you might go about telling an athlete to to work through that
2: yeah the yips is basically a sensation where you know you are a trained skilled athlete and then you try to do a skill that you've done a million times and all of a sudden you just can't do it like there is some sort of mental block there it was Simone Biles at the Olympics yeah I don't know that it was the yips I think they had a different term for it like for Gymnastics specific that she was kind of losing where she was while she was in the air And um, it was really dangerous for her because she didn't know how to land properly But this we see this a lot in golf like putting people like hit the ball and it just goes crazy or like In baseball they're trying to throw and they just can't do it anymore um, so I guess it would be just Going back to the basics like really working on um you know how to do that skill, really break it down piece by piece and figuring out, I guess, what is mentally going on that is getting in the way. And it it can be so harmful because it just builds up bigger and bigger the more that you can't do it. And so trying to take it back to the basics, you can do this skill. You've done it a hundred times, millions of times and um, breaking down each piece of the skill. Oh my
0: God. Yeah. I feel like I have the passing yips right now. <laughs> just like, I've been struggling. Yeah. and like I feel like whenever I take a break from practice or volleyball, even if it's just a week and then I come back and for some reason my passing is just so much better if once I take the break and I feel like that's my one skill when I'm playing that the more I'm trying to do it, the more I'm like getting in my head about it, the more I'm thinking about it, the more that I mess up on it. So, um, yeah we tend to
3: overthink a lot of things. So the brain is very powerful. So it's just simplifying it. So I'm sure you would tell your clients that like, just keep it simple. What kind of tools, let's say for us, if we're overthinking our passing, what kind of tools would you give us?
2: Yeah. One thing that comes to mind is like visualization of what you're trying to do versus what you're trying not to do. So like if you're having all these images of, oh, I'm shanking this ball or I'm getting aced, You know, trying to focus on what are you trying to do instead? What are you doing with your platform? Where are you aiming? Focusing on, like, what you can actually see in front of you, the ball coming at you. Um, Take it back to, like, what you're trying to do instead of all the negative thoughts about what could go wrong.
0: We were hoping that you might be okay with doing a little mini therapy session. Um, We have some, you know... All we're right. really gonna get vulnerable here and yeah I think it's gonna be really fun so. i just i think it's important for us to kind of you know share with listeners as well you know we're human too we deal with issues as individuals athletes um and you know obviously i'd love to hear your advice on a couple of different topics but i can start if you want and um one thing i guess so i'll just preface like this is something that i've always dealt with as an athlete um ever since i was a kid uh even in school too like not even related towards volleyball um so my biggest issue is that like my self-talk is really bad and I've worked on it but it still you know lingers and so but the overarching thing is that I'm my own worst critic and so I don't know what advice you might have for me regarding that or if you want to like ask me some questions get yeah. down to the nitty-gritty yeah, of ask it you some questions.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So let's just go with if you make a mistake, what are the types of things you might say to yourself or that might run through your head?
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, if I make a mistake, I, I hear myself saying like, oh, like, why didn't you get that? You, you should have gotten that or um, missing a serve. You know, sometimes I'll even hear myself say you suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I can, you know, I can be pretty harsh with myself. Um, but those yeah. are just a couple of examples.
2: OK, so. Yeah. Simple fix to start with is I think just adjusting the self-talk a little bit. Like you said, you already know that that's the issue, but when you make a mistake, can you be intentional about how you're talking to yourself? Like what would you say to your teammate if they made a mistake or to a friend, if Kelly came to you and said, I'm struggling with this, like what would you tell her to say to herself? Right. And can you say some of that to yourself instead? So when you don't get a ball, what else could you say to yourself? You got the next one. Yeah. And instead instead of <laughs> It's so simple. I know it's you no know, but it's the way you, you say it. Practice it though. Right. You have to practice it. It has to be intentional and it's going to take time to work on that. And instead of, "Oh, I should have gotten that," it can be as simple as like, "I can get that. I know I can get that. I got it next time," right? Just like that small shift. It doesn't have to be anything huge or profound but a small shift and oh okay yes I know I can get that ball I got it next time
0: yeah I think um that's great advice because I don't think of it like that you know it's like being compassionate with myself the way that I would be compassionate towards my partner or someone else so helpful reminder (laughs) boom wins a tournament (laughs) thanks cropper
3: um I guess for me and this is being vulnerable but performance anxiety is something that I deal with I kind of tend to get results let that kind of linger a little bit um so i guess when i'm competing how do i just be present in the moment versus looking too far ahead of like oh i want to win this tournament but maybe i look at the draw and i get freaked out about the bracket or our seed and
2: um how do i i mean how would i deal with that or how would others deal with that if they're yeah. in the same boat? a few different things um Pre-game, pre-tournament routine, calm, and your it's it's your normal thing that you're going through, um, basically to prevent getting like too hyped up or too anxious. Sometimes you want to be really hyped up, right? Like I've, I've seen you be hyped up, <laughs> and that can be helpful. But if you're feeling more anxious, nervous, you know, maybe you want to calm it down a little bit. You want to do some belly breathing before your match. You want to listen to like. Some nice calm music instead of like the hype music, and and um, you could also kind of use that those nerves or anxiety as think about it as like you're really excited, you love this sport, you just can't wait to get out there and kind of reframing how you see that feeling mm-hmm. instead of oh my gosh, I'm so anxious, I'm so nervous. Um, I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait to get out there, right? And just kind of reframing that feeling a little bit. So
3: situational, say that you're about to win the match mm-hmm. and it's like 18-all, You're you're close to the finish line. Mm-hmm. How would I like mentally or what kind of tools can I use in that moment of like not looking too far ahead of like, okay, we're so yep. close to 21, we got this in the bag. Mm-hmm. How can I, I guess, take it step by step or point by point? What are some tools that I can use in that situation where – the pressure's high, anxiety builds, I can feel it in my throat.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel like I am right, so right so now. Now. Yeah. now. So it's yeah. like
3: really being in that moment, whether it's like you're on the highest stage or if it's like an important match, like, yeah. How do you handle that?
2: Start with that deep breath.
3: <sighs> okay. <Yes. laughs>
2: okay. Start with that deep breath. And then again, I think instead of thinking about, oh my gosh, we're we're so close. We're I'm right there. Okay. What do you really need to be focusing on for that point? Are you looking at the server? Are you looking at the ball coming across the net? Like, are you thinking about the play that you're going to run with your teammate? Like, go back to the mechanics of the game and focus on that and what you actually need to do to get you to that point, instead of just thinking about that coming up in the future. Amazing, thank you. Little triggers, I like that. Perfect, thanks,
1: Riley. Where can someone kind of get your contact or get in touch with you yeah. uh, in regards to getting some some therapy?
2: Yeah. So I, like I said, I am building up the private practice. I'm, I am have a pretty full two days right now, but um, do want to build it up further. So I just created a new Instagram oh, <laughs> at nice. Therapy for Athletes and I'm updating my website right now as well, but it's therapy-for-athletes.com cool. and obviously it'll be in the link in my bio. Oh, awesome. Amazing. We'll
0: give you that follow.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> I guess I had one more question too that I... I feel like is has come up more and more uh, often and I feel like I've I've utilized it and seen the benefit of it but but kind of like mindfulness Mm -hmm. too Um, so maybe kind of give explain a little bit of what mindfulness is and then maybe uh, because I know you recommend some apps too that are super helpful with that but yeah I would learn love to hear more about that.
2: I'd say as just an overview, mindfulness is just trying to connect to the present moment. So kind of what you were talking about, Kelly, like how do you stay present? And it could be focusing on your breathing um, or focusing on your feet in the sand and how you can feel that contact there or right now, like, okay, I can feel the backs of my legs on this chair. I'm here grounded in this present moment Um, so that you aren't getting too ahead of yourself or too anxious or worked up, but you're grounded, present calm. And um, you can practice that on your own by just focusing on some of those things, or you could do kind of more guided meditation. I love just going to YouTube, searching in meditation for anxiety or like meditation for performance, um, meditation for sleep. There are also lots of apps out there, Calm, Headspace, stuff like that. Even Peloton has a lot of mindfulness content that's really good. And so you can, you can practice that. And the best way to do it is practice it for a few minutes a day. And then you can use it when you really need it or when you're anxious. Um, but you've already practiced that tool and you can access it more easily.
0: Yeah. I like to do my aura ring app has some breathing exercise ones. Yeah. So I like to do that, uh, before I go to sleep sometimes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I've been using like, uh, there's like 12 hour long Spotify playlist or like a, you know, white noise, rain, mm-hmm. breathing, stuff like that. So
2: yeah, really helpful. like I said, I use these strategies like even before Day-to-day. coming here today, yeah. like I'm going to do some deep breathing and I'm going to make sure I'm calm and present and it's helpful for anyone.
3: Yeah, yeah. we appreciate you being here, Riley. So much.
2: Thank you, I know. Thank you
1: so much for having me. Yeah. So so we like to end our, our podcast with two questions. The first one being, um, how do you take a bet on yourself? Or how have you taken a bet on yourself in the past?
2: I think I've definitely taken a bet on myself by opening up my own private practice and really pursuing that and owning a business. And it's hasn't really felt that scary, if I'm being honest. But um, when I really like zoom out and think about it, yeah, I I rely on people showing up to therapy with me to make a living. And that's betting on myself.
1: And so I'm going to open the floor to you. Um And you could share whatever is on your heart or mind with our listeners, with us here in the room, whatever you want to do, the floor is yours. Yeah. I guess just a
2: plug for mental health in general that everyone struggles at times. We all go through stuff. There's no shame in seeing a therapist or working on your mental health. And um, there are people out there that can help. And even if you just talk to a friend or let someone know that you're struggling, um, you can get some support. And... Also, I'm just really proud of you guys for doing this podcast. Like, I think it's so cool. And this is really important work to focus on women in sport. And I'm
1: just really proud of you guys and happy to be here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks, girl. (laughs) It was funny um, because while we were setting up and stuff, uh, Kelly kept saying, Dr. Crapper, (laughs) Dr. Crapper.
3: (laughs) I love saying it. It's so cool. Like, when you got, when you finally. Made it. I was like, you're a doctor. How cool is that? Like you've worked so hard and (laughs) you've been there for both of us. So much. Yeah. There were some dark times and to lean on you during those, you know, those times, it was really refreshing to have you in our corner. So. Yeah, hard work pays off, and we're happy to see where you're going, and thank you for being on our pod. And Absolutely. Hopefully people will take some notes with a c- couple cues that you gave us.
2: Yeah, these are uh, just like quick little snippets, yeah. right? Imagine the work that can be done if you're seeing someone regularly and like really working on this as yeah. part of your, your game.
3: And it's like so simple. You just have to put in the work and do it little, I guess, day by day, yeah. two times a day or whatever it is. So,
1: I think it's also valuable the fact that, and I keep bringing this up, but this seems to be the theme, is that – you are first and foremost, you're human beings. And regardless of where you are in terms of your status, you know, your emotions matter. And I think it's important, like you said, to seek help. And I think you're setting the tone and setting an example to the younger generation and other women that are in the sport that can't allow themselves to be vulnerable and seek help and ask for help. So I think, you know, this is a step in the right direction. But as long as we have individuals like yourselves pushing that line forward i think others will continue to have the confidence to go forward and ask for help ask help for from dr riley cropper
0: (laughs) yeah amazing yes so awesome thank you
1: thank everyone for joining me on the podcast and listening in this is the bit on her podcast and cut